Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about what we can learn from traveling. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Heather Markle. Heather is a New York Times featured full-time traveler, speaker, and co-author of Voices of the 21st Century. You can check out Heather's website, heatherbegins.com, for travel information and inspiration. And you can also join her Facebook group. Welcome, Heather. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Man, I just got back from a trip, and it was the best of times and the worst of times. So I am so excited to hear about your story and what I can learn about you from traveling. And this hasn't always been your dream. So what's your story? What inspired you to drop everything and just live a nomadic life? Yeah, so I fell in love with travel when I was 16. And I was living with a host family in Normandy, France. And it was, I actually went kicking and screaming, but um, found my way there. And I spoke like high school French, but not, um, couldn't quite put the vocabulary together. So uh, at the end of a month with them, I found myself fluent in French. Um, I was having these amazing conversations, like, I, you know, getting like that cultural immersion was just so fascinating to me that that was it. I'm like, I'm hooked. And then of course I went to college and uh, rather than pursue my dream of like immersing in culture, cause how do you do that? But you get a corporate job and you like immerse yourself in the culture of corporate. right? So, um, so that's what I did. And I, at early on in my career, I was able to use my languages and travel, but then, uh, after a short while, things changed, and I found myself in a very domestic career where my skill sets were of no use. I was, I was just unhappy, and um, kind of made life choices that were just making me more and more unhappy, and ultimately led to pain, like physical pain, and that became my pat my catalyst to just say, you know what, I you know, even though this seems completely crazy to quit my job, not for another job, not to like, you know, pursue my business and six figures and all that. But for myself, I'm like, what this pain is really bad. And I can't imagine another like 20 years of pain to wait for retirement when I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> so yeah, so pain really became the, the reason um, because connecting to travel via vacation was just wasn't enough to like get me out of that pain. Heather, that is amazing that you are able to make the connection that your physical pain was related to your career choice and not being happy where you were. I've spoken with other guests who've had issues where they were on a career path. And it's so interesting that it can literally lead to physical pain. Sometimes, I mean, you're just flat in your bed, going to doctors, trying to figure stuff out. So you knew that right away, what the connection was? Well, so I actually um, had, I, I was married and I, uh, for three years, battled between my head and my heart, whether to stay or go in that relationship. And I ended up herniating two discs in my neck. And where's the neck? It's between the head and the heart. So uh, when my heart, my chest began to hurt in 2017, I immediately connected back. And I was like, yeah, that pain in the, ne in the neck became two herniated discs that still hurt me today. And so I'm not turning this chest pain into, uh, let's, let's see, <laughs> that could go in any one of several directions. I'm not doing it. I'm out. 
I'm going to actually listen to my heart and follow my heart instead of ignoring it. Oh, you're so brave. I'm so proud of you. That is incredible. So just quickly before we move into the travel, travel part, it fascinates me that the catalyst was this psychosomatic issue. And the idea of psychosomatic, it used to mean, or people thought it meant, you know, kind of like you're hypochondrical. Like there's nothing really wrong with you, Heather. It's just all right. in your head. But now we have a lot more understanding that our our um, our mind, our heart, and our body are all connected. And when we're living in a way that matches our dreams and our real authentic purpose, it affects our physical health. Isn't yes. that interesting? So thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so you were so, so brave and you decided to follow your heart. So let's talk about travel, like some of the places that you've been. And then I have some questions because some of the thing about travel is, first of all, safety. I mean, people are concerned mm -hmm. about safety. And another thing is the dollars. I mean, money, travel yep. takes money. So um, anyway, so where have you been? Uh, well, so far, so I did a bunch of traveling before I quit. But since I quit, um, I've been to 27 countries and six continents. Mm -hmm. So every continent except Antarctica. Um, so, you know, and when I think about it, yeah, I'm like, I traveled alone by bus throughout South America for six months. And I'm like, wow, that was, <laughs> I don't know, that was pretty brave. Uh, you know, and going through Africa and uh, Central America and Asia, Asia is actually really safe. And I was, I'm just recently returned from being marooned in New Zealand for two years, um, which was, you know, for the pandemic, really lucky, really fascinating, um, <laughs> quite an interesting country. Fascinating. So you were able to make it in, but you weren't able to make it out. That became home until the pandemic allowed travel again. Yeah, well, actually, it uh, I probably could have left sooner than I did, but it became apparent that I should get vaccinated before I left. And then uh, because New Zealand got um, COVID the latest and had been doing so well managing it, um, they, we got the vaccinations latest as well. So, you know, it just took longer. Wow, fascinating. So you went to all those things and you're not just traveling, you were traveling solo yep. as a woman and yes. you felt safe. So can you give us some safety tips of how, how can we be safe and feel safe? And actually those two aren't always exactly the same. Sometimes we can be like, ah, nervous when there's nothing to worry about. And sometimes yep. we can be la 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 when there's actually a danger involved. So how do we be no, informed true. enough to be safe? Well, first of all, I mean, that's an interesting point because uh, I realized recently, you know, we only, we think we're safe when we're comfortable. And so the only reason you think you're not safe going someplace is because you, you're not comfortable. You've never been there. You don't know what to expect. And so first off, expect that if you are able to stay somewhere for a while, you get comfortable there and it changes the paradigm of, of feeling safe. Um, that's absolutely what happened to me. Um, I remember in Africa, I was in Cape Town, which is not known for being a terribly safe place. And um, after a while in one of the uh, the areas that's known to be a bit more dangerous, um, people in like the local market were like, I've seen you. And I'm like, yeah, you have. And then all of a sudden I felt like, all right, I can be a little more comfortable because people have seen me and they know that they know me from somewhere. Um, but that aside, I think as, as you said, as a woman, uh, we 
often have to be a little bit more careful than uh, than men in traveling. And I think every person should adopt a set of rules that works for them and stick to them, which is what I did, even in New Zealand, which is, you know, supposedly really safe. Uh, I generally, I'm very cautious about walking alone at night. And wherever I stay, when I check in, I immediately ask, is it safe for me to walk home at night alone? And if they even hesitate for a second, if they have to think about the answer, I take that as a no. Uh, and also, are there any areas in town I should avoid because they're known to be dangerous? And if they say yes, I avoid those areas. Also, I don't, um, I don't go out to like bars and nightclubs by myself. I don't accept, uh, I don't usually drink with people that I don't know. I don't drink a lot when I travel because that can dull your inhibitions. And if you don't know where your drink is coming from, that can be a problem. So, um, and in, in some countries, you know, if you're coming from America, women are treated differently in other countries than they are in America. And it, it is what it is. Like there's not, you're not going to help yourself by <laughs> trying to be treated uh, like you are in America. And so I have learned essentially, especially if a man invites me to go out, unless I'm interested in him, I would say no, um, or maybe go have a coffee with other people or something, but I wouldn't accept an evening dinner or drink um, invite invitation just because it can give the opinion or the understanding that you're interested in something that you might not be. So try not to get into it. Um, and then there's also things like, knowing uh rules like in like in south america i was totally traveling alone by bus and i felt absolutely safe and i learned early on that when you are traveling with your luggage you bring your luggage to the back of the bus there's like a whole like a luggage storage area and a person takes your bag puts a tag on it gives you a receipt and you get in the bus um, and I was fine. And I met these, this lovely younger couple from England while I was in Santiago. And they fell for that scam where someone dressed like they worked for the bus company walked up to them while they were like at the front of the bus and offered to take their bags for them. And he said, I'll strap them to the top of the bus. You'll be fine. You'll get them, uh, when you're, when you arrive at your destination. They gave him everything, including their passports. And by the way, you should never separate yourself from your passport. So they lost everything. Um, so knowing what the rules are of like transportation, like how things work in a place is really important. Um, so you don't fall prey to, you know, tons of potential scandals that you could. Oh, man. So some super basic things is you keep your passport your credit cards, those kinds of things with your person, you do not give them anywhere. And yeah. I loved as you're explaining your rules that a lot of these are just common sense that you can use or should use anywhere when you're home. And then the travel aspect is let's follow good common sense safety principles and get some input about what is, you know, are, are these areas safe that I haven't been? So I love that you included asking some questions to help you be able to recognize, because if it's an unfamiliar place, I mean, how would you know that this part yeah. is not okay? And that part is so brilliant. And another, so another really important thing too, is just to make sure that when, um, that you don't look 
like you have a lot. So that means um, don't wear expensive jewelry. I leave my, I have like a Fitbit watch. Um, I leave it home. I don't travel with it. Um, don't wear um, like diamond earrings and do your best to travel with small luggage because um, if it looks like you have less and you, I mean, I knew I got it right when I was, um, I forget, I might've been in New Zealand when um, a, a homeless guy like looked me up and down and kept going and didn't ask me for money. I'm like, I got it right. <laughs> so. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So when you're traveling, how much luggage do you take? I mean, cause you're gone. And like you said, in New Zealand, instead of a week or two or however long you intended, it turned into two years. Yeah. So what do you bring? So I, I mean, it's funny, I've been doing this four years and I still feel like I, every time, like I talk too much, um, but I, I carry, um, I have a carry on size bag with wheels and then I have a smaller um, backpack that I start with and I bring an empty like day pack. Um, so that if I go on like a go hiking or something, I can like, you know, put something in that, um, as a bag, or if I'm going to the grocery store or something like that, I can pack into that. Um, so that's it. And then generally it's it, the hardest thing is cause I work when I travel and I like blog. And so, so I have to bring on my computer. I also bring my camera and those two right there are like heavier than I want. Um, but I, I restrict myself to no more than three pairs of shoes, one I'm wearing, two go in my bag. Uh, and then if you're if you're traveling where you're following the sun, it's a lot easier because you only need, you know, warm clothes. But um if not having like New Zealand, I picked up at some secondhand stores these great um merino wool under sweaters. So it keeps you warm and having having layers um that you can double up if you go somewhere that's unexpectedly colder and planning to like, I only bring a few shirts with me because I usually wear stuff unless it's really ungodly hot and sweaty. Um, I wear everything at least two days in a row because um, it just saves on money and space and weight. So um, yeah, like I don't travel luxuriously. <laughs> That is brilliant. So pack light and pack smart and pack versatile. The idea yep. of, of layers and of not, and I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of you know, those carry on bags. How are you getting three pairs of shoes in there? I mean, there's no, and you've got your computer and you've got your, uh, your camera. So it's, uh, and there's not much room for, for anything else. So yeah, fantastic. Well, let's talk money. How, yes. how do you are, how do you af afford this? Cause your, your lifestyle and your experience might be considered only for the, 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 the very wealthy who are, you know, daddy gave you all the money. And so you can spend a couple years traveling before you're ready to settle down and do a job kind of a thing. And that's yeah. not your story, right? No, not at all. Um, so it's funny cause when I set out to do this, I actually planned a three to six month career break. Um, really, it was just supposed to be like, I'm, I know I don't belong here. I don't know where I do belong. So I'll just go take a break and then I'll come back and go back to the real world. Um, and so I set aside a budget for the three to six months and, uh, quickly realized that I didn't want to stop. <laughs> um, my New York apartment, the rent was so much. And I, you know, I kept my apartment originally because I thought I was coming back. And then I was like, you know, if I gave up that rent 
that could get me a lot more travel. And so in the end, um, the budget I set aside for three to six months lasted me over two years. And what you, the, the first mistake everyone who's thinking only rich people can do this make is that, you know, you come, you're coming from a point of view that all travel is like your vacation. And when you're working or doing something you're not happy with, or even if you are semi-happy, vacation is a break. It is a short, quick one, two weeks where you are pampering yourself and treating yourself like a queen or a king. And you are getting, you know, the spas, the massages, you are doing expensive tours, you're eating out every meal, you know, that's called vacation. That is not full-time travel. Um, so full-time travel is about making a life around the travel. And the way to do that um, is uh, very quickly come up with a budget, a monthly budget. Um, I, I teach all these things to, to my clients, but it's, it's quite subjective because depending who you are, um, whether you're working while traveling or not, what, you know, how much savings you have and a whole bunch of other things. Um, that will help you figure out like how much money do you actually need per month to travel? And when you're not pampering yourself, you'd be surprised. You need a lot less money, especially if you're traveling in countries, say like somewhere in Southeast Asia or Argentina, you know, you, you just don't need the same amount of money per month that you do in America. Uh, and then you realize as you're traveling, you actually don't need like all this stuff that we're conditioned to buy, um, especially in America. You don't need it. Also, you're carrying all of your stuff in that little carry-on bag. You don't have room to buy anything anyway. So um, by default, you're spending a lot less money. And the the number one strategy I have found to um, make full-time travel affordable is look at your accommodation as the first place to cut out as much money as you can. And there's a multitude of ways to do that. Um, including number one biggest, easiest way is like house sitting, pet sitting. Um, so you stay for free, you look after someone's pet and you've cut out your, um, your accommodation cost for the period of time that you're, you're house sitting as one of a million ways to do it. <laughs> okay. I've never heard of that. How do you find somebody in Southeast Asia who needs their house sat and their cat watched after? So typically I found there's, there's kind of a couple ways there's national services like trustedhousesitters.com. So you can join and there is a fee and you, you join that um, and you list yourself and you go and research the locations you're going to. The other way to do it is um, once you're in the country uh, you, or even before you get there, usually a lot of countries have their own pet sitting services. When I was in New Zealand, I actually found uh, uh, something called Kiwi House Sitters, and that worked even better for me than the trusted house sitters. I'm guessing it was uh, less expensive for everyone to use Kiwi House Sitters in New Zealand than it was to use trusted house sitters. So there were just more people on there. And I had people asking me, please, can you sit? We're going away. Like, you know, it was great. So um, made it really easy to, um, to find a sit whenever I wanted it. Insane. So is that kind of like an Airbnb where you give each other ratings so that you know mm -hmm. the place you're going is safe and they know that you're safe and all that yeah. kind of thing. So you've got a little bit of a, a little bit to go on, not completely nothing. I was going to ask about hostels. Do you ever stay in those? I do. Um, I so 
it's important. And I, and I, again, I work on this with my clients because when you set a travel budget, you've got to be really realistic about your travel style. Um, and so, so like I'm at a point in my life where I just don't like to be in a room with 16 people. Like I just, I wouldn't sleep. I don't feel, it's just, just not comfortable for me. So I do stay in hostels. Um, I usually would get my own room in them, but even I'll tell you what, like places like New Zealand, um, I stayed in a, in a hostel room for four people. Um, because of the pandemic, there was like nobody there. So I had this room to myself, but it was 35 us dollars a night, um, for that room, which is very expensive when, you know, other places in the world, I was used to paying like $5 a night for a hostel. So, um, in that, in that kind of context. So, um, so I do stay in the hostels. I think they're a great way to meet people. Um, clearly with the pandemic, uh, I kind of was a little more cautious on not wanting to like share facilities and amenities, um, just for, just to try and be safer. Uh, but, but other than that, I mean, I think they're, they're usually super safe. And as long as you do your research to understand, um, if you're getting into a party hostel, if that's, and that's your, you know, that's up to you. If you love the party scene, there are hostels where there's loud music and stuff all, till all hours of the night. And if that's your skip, great. But if you don't want that, just make sure you do your research um, so that you know that you're getting a, a hostel where like a lot of hostels in New Zealand, it was, everyone was just silent after 10 o'clock at night. It was just this really nice respected um, kind of protocol. And um, I, st- I stated a lot of the, um, the why I think they were like, uh, was it the why I'm trying to think? Um, can't think of the name. There's like a national chain in New Zealand that was like across the board, clean, nice rooms, um, great staff everywhere I went. So, um, so yeah, so I have stayed in a lot of hostels. Fantastic. Okay. So when you talk about do your research, um, how would you find out that kind of information? Cause usually you can find out the location, the cost, but that doesn't say this is a party hostel versus this is a turnout, all the sound at 10 o'clock kind of hostel i do it when i'm staying in a accommodation i do a ridiculous amount of research so um so i kind of use if you're if you're going to stay in a hostel um hostelworld.com is actually but probably one of the better resources to tell you if it's a party hostel or not reading the reviews TripAdvisor can also be really helpful so um i use uh i i found booking.com because i'm at a I don't know, level two or three genius levels. Um, so typically what you want to do is kind of look up where do you want to go? Uh, what kinds of stuff are there and make a short list of the hotels. And then um, I like to call the property and see if I can get a better rate direct than through the services that are actually taking money from them. So, uh, but with, my genius discount, I find that I often get a better deal through booking than I do direct or through TripAdvisor or some of the other um, means that you can find uh, a place to stay. So so typically my research looks something like um, a combination of Google, booking.com for locations, and then going on TripAdvisor and a hostel world to look at reviews and see what, um, kind of make my decision from there. Fantastic. So well done for being a genius that deserves some perks. 
So do you do this research before you go or do you continue to do research while you're there? I mean, do you find good internet where you're at and say, okay, so I'm here and I've been here for a week and now I'm ready to go over there. So let me find something out. So one of the things I do is um, if you are, so again, if you're a a short-term traveler, what you typically do is you'll bring your phone with you, turn on international roaming, roam around and then come home. (laughs) Um, International roaming fees are ridiculous. So, uh, up to hundreds of dollars a month. So what I do is I, um, put my US number on, um, like I don't, I don't roam with it. I go and I get a SIM card, uh, in the country that I'm staying. And so in terms of why I don't need Wi-Fi, I mean, Wi-Fi is great. And yes, there can be great Wi-Fi connection, but when you have a local SIM card, you're guaranteed to have internet when you need it for a much lower cost than if you were roaming. So, um, I would have never thought of that. So you just go to the store and go pick up one or. Yeah. Go to, it depends on what country you're in, but typically you'll go to like the Vodafone store or the New Zealand, there's spark, like each country has their own thing. And some places you just go like to a, a cell phone store and somehow in there they set you up like it's really weird every country's totally different and oftentimes you you're better off letting someone else set the service up for you than getting the sim card and leaving because you want to make sure the thing works because they usually have to take your passport and do all this identity checking um it's it's actually a complicated process to get set up so um so yeah so you want to uh get a local sim card and then either use your cell phone or uh, if you have a computer or whatever, then you can do all of your research. Um, and now I do, what I typically do is when I go to a new place, before I go, I'll book a place to stay for two to three nights and then figure it out from there because um, I've learned to do like go with the flow travel, which is I can arrive, I can decide I hate where I'm at and leave and not be like, oh my God, I'm losing out on a chunk of hotel time. Um, or I can decide I love it and either see if the place I'm staying, if I like it has more availability. And if they don't kind of walk around and see what neighborhoods I like and walk into a hotel or a hostel and find out if they have space, um, or look at an Airbnb and I can actually like walk over and see where things are. And I can make a much more informed decision about where to stay. So I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, Dang, girl, you know what you're doing. So, um, so on your website, do you have some tips and information like this? And you, you say you have clients. So people come to you and say, help me to be able to travel and you're able to help them. And I need you do that from wherever you are. Yeah. So I do, I do it from wherever I am. And so I have, um, on my website, there's a work with me, um, page. And so I offer a certain, I offer a bunch of products. So if you wanted sort of a like low cost entry into understanding how to do some of these things, um, there are some products to do that and some programs to help you understand how to afford full-time travel, how to, um, that like I have a money for travel boot camp where it's like in-depth nitty gritty, um, you know, skill sets and uh, directions and things to do to save money, like from accommodation, transportation, food, like everything that you need. Um, and then I also work with um, clients in a, a, a three month program um, called um, From Daily Grind to Globetrotter. And so I take them through, I have, I have an MMP system, I call it, it's mindset money planning. 
So um, I help them understand kind of like the fears that are getting in the way of, of this lifestyle, um, go through those blocks, and then we get really in-depth with a money plan. Um, and then the planning is sort of like the logistical and the medical and, the, you know, all the kind of um, housing, all that kind of stuff that you have to do before you leave. That's fantastic. What a beautiful resource that you are providing so that people who want to try what you're doing have, can kind of get over that learning curve and be able to start and have a successful experience. So before we, before we close, can you just kind of give our listeners some reasons of what advantages, what does this do to your life? How does this enrich you? Um, so that, you know, maybe somebody who's pondering it might, might just tip them over the edge into not just thinking, but maybe trying it. I mean, what, 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 what good would it do me? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so here's, here's a thing that dawned on me. Um, I'm actually working on a TEDx talk <laughs> that I'm um, hoping to, to do. And one of the things that occurred to me is, you know, when you get to be midlife, like over 40, and you kind of are frustrated with um, what is the meaning and the purpose in my life, and I'm not finding it, the the only process we really have to deal with that is is like therapy, therapy and, and medication. And um, I don't find you know, therapy is going to help you figure out what's wrong with you, but you want to figure out what's right with you. <laughs> and medication is just going to dull out the depression, but it doesn't make it go away. So travel for me is the one of the most spectacular ways um, to figure out who you are at the core, um, you like nothing else will tap into your own resourcefulness. Um, you talked about intuition earlier and, um, I have tapped so deeply into intuition so that I now know, like, listen to my intuition, listen, like it's right. Even though it makes no sense in this, I don't get why just shut up, Heather, just listen to it, you know? Um, so, so there's like an internal guidance system that we get separated from, I think, in our normal life and travel reorients you to that, your, your own unique guidance system, um, and puts you back on track with who you are and what your greatest assets are. And somehow you just end up meeting like the right people in the right places. And, um, and not to mention that in today's world, where there's so much stuff going on and media and false information. And, you know, there's nothing like traveling and going firsthand into a country and learning that the people of a country are not the government of a country. Mm. And that what you read about is probably completely wrong. <laughs> um, and if you bother to go and talk to people, uh, you will learn so much more about a country, about a people, about a way of living, about what's really happening um, on so many levels. And it will just expand you as a person. Um, I, it's I, Travel is just uh, magnificent. You may not like everything that you learn. Um, I will tell you, I did not like the Vietnam War Museum. Uh, I When I went to Africa and learned, um, I had I had ideas of what slavery was, but you know, learning so much more depth into the experience that people have in the world and and why they're so upset and, you know, learning like, oh, this, okay, <laughs> I'm beginning to see, learn more and more. Um, so not everything is pretty, but, um, but I think it, it helps us all be compassionate to each other and treat each other as humans. Um, and I think that's really needed in the world today. Absolutely. 
recognizing that we are people. And I love that you mentioned that people are not the government and that people around the world, we have basic needs that are the same. Absolutely. People are people. So thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom. My mind is just blown that, that, that a, a normal person can do this sort of thing, that we don't have to be super wealthy in order to have this experience. So thank you for sharing today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Oh, mine too. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by St. Augustine. He said, the world is a book. And those who do not travel read only one page. Today, I invite you to enjoy more than one page in the Book of Life by doing some traveling. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.